hockey fans, this is the Golden Edge Podcast, the podcast where the Las Vegas Review Journal talks about hockey. I am Ben Goats, one of your Review Journal Golden Knights beat writers here talking on a Wednesday afternoon with my colleague, David Shane. Dave, how's it going right now? Good. It's, uh, what, 70-something degrees out here? March? Like, I don't know. Starting to starting to feel a little different. I... I got to say, a little vitamin D on the skin, you know, does everybody good. So, yeah, you know, feeling all right. Yeah, there's a lot of good vibes, I feel like, kind of going around, you know, town right now. Obviously, it's like you said, it's been absolutely gorgeous. People are going outside. People are happy. Obviously, the COVID numbers are way down. So, people, I think, are getting back out there, getting more active. A lot of good things going out in the world. Uh, and then there's what we're going to talk about which is the Golden Knights, who as of uh, this recording, obviously, have some very good vibes going on because they're coming off a win. But overall, might be a little bit rockier than certainly we expected coming into this year. We weren't expecting that they would be uh, quite in the position there in uh, in March, if you had asked us kind of where they would be at uh, back in October. So we're going to kind of get into where the team is at, how their team game is looking, and how that kind of sets them all up. For the last, you know, third or so of a season of the season here, uh, but before we get into all that, I just want to remind everyone that the Las Vegas Review Journal is uh, brought to you, or the Golden Edge Podcast is brought to you by the Las Vegas Review Journal. I'm just already flipping my sentences here. Uh, please check out all our written work at ReviewJournal.com. We are presented by Blue Wire, and as always, if you guys can rate, review, subscribe, uh, whatever you do, podcasts, please do this one because we would very much appreciate it. Um, so we want to talk about the Golden Knights. Obviously, that's what we do every show. But more specifically, kind of what's going on uh, with this team in like a broader sense, kind of heading down the stretch run here. We set it up a little bit last week, but since then, things have, I think, gotten a little bit more hairy and even tighter in the standings. Uh this team uh, has gone one and two with losses uh, at Arizona to Colorado since we last talked on this podcast, and they won against San Jose at home last night. Overall, since the All Star break, they're three, four, and one. They've got 17 goals in eight games, so just barely a little bit over more than two goals a game. Uh, and as I'm sure everyone listening to this is well aware, they are super banged up. Once again, uh, with Max Pacioretty and Matias Janmark heading out of the lineup uh, against Arizona, Robin Leonard, starting goaltender not available against Arizona, Oregon's Colorado returned last night and looked sharp in picking up the win, but still it's consistently been this rotating uh, cast of characters for the Knights. Uh, and in the midst of all that, they have also got a first-line center. And, of course, Jack Eichel, who uh, has now played six games in basically the last 11 months. So he's still very much trying to get up to speed. Um, Dave, you've written kind of a lot, you know, Sunday about what's going on with this team. You're kind of setting up the division race for uh, tomorrow's paper in the Ryu Journal. So people should make sure to check out uh, those stories. But just kind of where are you at with uh, this team and how you're feeling about it right now in the middle of this kind of weird clunky stretch is this concerning is it you know just kind of fine because we're still in the regular season or is it more of like in the middle where 
It's just more of got your antenna up uh, right now, how the Golden Knights are playing. I like that last one. You know, certainly I think the antennas raised a little bit. Sort of the eyebrows have kind of gone up. Um, <laughs> think of like that, like the meme with like the dog, kind of the, you know, like it feels just a little, you know, like you didn't expect it. You know, you're just humming along and then you look at the standings and you kind of go, whoa, like, wait a minute. There's like 30, you know, now, you know, 28 games as we record this left and they're in third place and they're like going back and forth, kind of leapfrogging, you know, each other with Edmonton, you know, between third place and the second wild card. Like this is a team built for the Stanley cup that traded for Jack Eichel. This is not a team that should be, you know, in a dogfight here in March to just make the playoffs, let alone anything else. So yeah, I, I think and I think Ed Graney certainly, you know, brought this up, covered it in terms of just, you know, it's not like time to sound the alarm bells or anything, but you know, it was it was definitely getting close. Like it's it, you know, you, you kind of pull the collar a little bit. It's getting a little hot there. So, you know, we'll see. I still I still think this team is just too talented and and you know it's got, you know, Pete DeBoer said this too. Like, they have more access to NHL players right now than they did at the start of the year. Yes, they're banged up and, and all, but, you know, they're putting good enough lineups out there that they should be able to, you know, continue to make a playoff push here. But uh, yeah, it's it's definitely, definitely a little surprising here that we flipped the calendar to March and, and you, you look at it and they're in third place and, and nothing's guaranteed. No, nothing's guaranteed. At all, especially with, you know, even though, as you mentioned, the Knights have more NHL players in their lineup right now, they still don't have kind of their some of their top guys coming back in yet, which is why there's still probably a little bit more of an inkling of concern than there would be, you know, if they were kind of at full strength. Because I think everyone would have no doubts that, at, you know, if this team had suddenly got the full strength that they'd be able to get in the playoffs pretty comfortably, I think even you know, as banged up as they are now, the expectation should be that they can still get into the playoffs pretty comfortably, but it certainly has turned into more of a fight than I think anyone expected, even after kind of all they were dealing with. Because as you mentioned, it felt like, you know, they got a ton of injuries early on. They kind of survived. They treaded water. They got healthy, and then they kind of jumped into first place. And so I think, you know, it was kind of simple to kind of say like, oh, they adversity hit at the beginning of the season. They got through it. Now they're fine and they're going to just kind of stay in first. And then all of a sudden, like I said, we get past the all-star break and adversity hits again where they're in first when, you know, the all-star weekend is happening in Las Vegas. And then they come out, they obviously win in Edmonton, but then get smacked in Calgary. So Calgary overtakes them. Calgary, since coming back from the all-star break, has just been red hot to where they are now very, very comfortably in first in the division. It's going to be hard to catch them, but all of a sudden, you know, Edmonton makes a coaching change and they're looking a lot better. Uh, the Kings, we talked about this uh, yesterday, uh, just, you know, back and forth with each other about how the Kings obviously looked much improved and they kind of showed that they're going to be willing to scrap this out with the Knights in the game that they won at Team mobile arena in overtime a couple weeks ago. So it went, you know, not so long ago to the Knights, I think, probably feeling pretty secure in their position. Like I said, especially when they're enjoying all-star festivities 
in their home rink. Uh, all of a sudden, as you said, they're just kind of squished in the middle of a pack here. And middle of the pack, I do mean like second through fourth in division, uh, not even necessarily first anymore just because Calgary's kind of opened this up uh, a little bit, Dave. Yeah, and I mean, it's it's tough because, you know, I go back and, and like you think they have that run and like you said, you know, they jumped into first place and it looked like, you know, the Knights are kind of taking control and even Pete DeBoer sort of warned a little bit, you know, that it was, you know, sort of fool's gold. And I think as, as you know, they hit a couple bumps along the way and all of a sudden some teams, you know, started to make up some ground and, you know, had some games in hand. You know, I think he maybe foresaw this, you know, a little better than I did, I guess, or, or certainly some of us seem to uh, just in terms of, you know, what was probably going to happen. It's been interesting, you know, kind of without spoiling too much here, like I, it almost felt like it was close to a concession speech from Pete DeBoer today. And he's, he's done this a couple of times too, where, you know, he's talked about, you know, playoff position doesn't really matter. You just want to get in, you know, when he's made the Stanley cup final, they were a six seed and a seven seed and all that. And it's almost like he's saying, you know, and preparing everybody for like, Hey, look, Calgary's going to run away with this, you know? So let's, let's just not overexert ourselves to, you know, try to catch them or do all that. Well, Job one is make the playoffs. Job two is play well going into the playoffs, you know, and and then go from there. So, you know, I think they're gearing up for a fight. I think they kind of, you know, understand where they're at now, you know, as opposed to where they were, say, you know, a month, month and a half ago and and how much it's changed. So, you know, it's just going to be a question of, you know, whether they're up for, for that battle and whether they have enough, you know, healthy to you know, actually stave off some of these teams. Yeah, to go back to what you just said, I do find it interesting that Pete DeBoer is kind of issuing kind of quote-unquote uh, concession speeches now and, you know, kind of saying things like, oh, well, playoff positioning doesn't matter, which uh, I actually do uh, agree with. Uh, as we saw last year, the Golden Knights were or did not have home ice against Colorado, still won. They did have home ice against Montreal, still lost. So I think it's probably talked about more then it actually affects kind of the outcome of these series. But uh, last year, Pete DeBoer was also the one at the end of the regular season pushing really hard to overtake Colorado for first in the division and trying to get, you know, the number one overall seed because he kept talking about we want to give ourselves the easiest path through the playoffs that's possible. And, of course, now that that's probably not necessarily realistic, all of a sudden it's, oh, you know, we just want to feel good about our game and be trending in the right direction and seeding doesn't really matter anyway. So it's funny how things change. And of course, as we're recording this tonight, there's six points back of Calgary and Calgary uh, also has two games in hand. They've played two fewer games than the golden Knights, but still have six more points. Uh, So it's just like we said, realistically going to be not very possible to catch them, but it's interesting that they're even backing off necessarily issuing that much of a challenge for right now. The Knights do have one game remaining against the Flames, and obviously that one would probably almost certainly need to go the Knights' way for them to have any chance to overtake them. Uh, But what's been interesting, too, about this kind of recent, you know, stretch for the Knights and how it's kind of putting them in the middle of this, you know, race to the finish line when it comes to the Pacific Division and just kind of the Western Conference in general is that a big component of it, as I mentioned earlier, has been this lack of offense. I think that's the thing that's kind of sticking out 
the most recently because um, even, you know, the fact that they had Leonard injured for a lot of this stretch, it's still like you can't really put kind of the the poor record on the Knights goaltender. It was actually Laurent Brassois and Logan Thompson, I think, held up very, very well in Leonard's absence. It's not like the Knights were just, you know, letting in a bunch of goals and that's why they were losing. It was more because they couldn't score. Uh, as I said, they've got 17 goals in their last eight games after scoring three last night against San Jose. But even then, uh, they probably left quite a few goals on the table, given that for the last two periods, the Sharks were playing a goalie that was only in his third NHL game ever. Uh, obviously, the Knights are missing Pacioretty and Stone right now. But even with Mark Stone, I think that's not necessarily like the best excuse that the team could use because the only reason they have Jack Eichel in the lineup is because they have Mark Stone out still on LTIR uh, with his back injury. And uh, as we talked about kind of in the, the press box last night and you uh, put out on Twitter today, I think, the, you know, the story of what are kind of the Knights offensive woes right now can probably be summed up by, you know, kind of going through their uh, 9th, 10th, 11th, and 12th leading scorers right now. Because uh, in ninth place, you've got Evgeny Dodonov with uh, 21 points in 52 games. Uh, 10th place is William Carlson, 20 points in 39 games. Uh, 11th place, Brett Howden, 19 points in 41 games. And 12th place, Keegan Colasar, uh, 18 points in 53 games. So we're talking about uh, Brett Howden acquired for a fourth-round pick in the offseason. The Knights basically fourth-line center for the majority of the year has played a, a pretty, you know, close to a similar amount of games as the Knights' uh, number two center, who, of course, did have a broken foot, so that might have slowed him down, and has played far fewer games than a you know top six winger, for the most part, this year, sometimes third line as well, uh, that the Golden Knights kind of brought on to add extra goal-scoring punch, kind of replace Alex, Tuck impact, Alex Tuck's impact at five-on-five, five, and definitely boost the power play. And yet, Howland's basically equal in production. And Keegan Kolasar, who a guy who is basically in his second... NHL season and still kind of finding his way a little bit isn't uh, too far behind either. So you've got these like bottom six guys creeping up on these guys. The Knights uh, have paid pretty well to produce. And I think that's kind of the story of where this offense is falling short right now, Dave. Yeah, certainly right now. And, uh, you know, it's real easy to kind of pick on Dodonov and, you know, look like I don't, mean to turn this into like a geopolitical conversation but you know like this is a hockey like you know it's a hockey related thing like obviously the timing is whatever but it's very noticeable right now what is it 15 games i think that he's gone without and it's it's not even without scoring right it's without a point if i'm looking at this correctly i mean he's got just goose eggs all the way from January 17th, that was the last time he scored against Pittsburgh. Um, and then he had an assist the next game against Montreal. Other than that, nada. Not even an assist, not even a secondary assist. You know, like for somebody who was brought in $5 million, you know, a year player, you know, a guy like you said, who was kind of going to fill the Alex Tuck role, 
you know, while he was out. And then obviously since he's been, been traded, somebody who's going to, you know, maybe drive some offense on the third line. That was something that, that he was advertised as that the Donov was billed as, um, you know, and then if there's injuries to the top six, you know, be a guy who can jump up, you know, into those spots and, you know, keep the, keep the cart rolling on. And, and like early on in the season. And, you know, I think, you know, as we were talking about this, like you did your grades and I was looking at this and, you know, at the 28 game mark, which is, you know, basically like a third of the season, he had like eight goals, 14 points, you know, eight goals at that point. Like, I think if you average it out, it's like, you know, 23, 24 goals. If my math was right, which isn't like, that's not great, but uh, you know, like if you're getting, 20 plus goals out of like a $5 million guy. Okay. You're getting somewhat close to value, but you know, he's hit this just huge slump and nothing's, nothing's going for him. And all of a sudden now it's like a pace for like 15 goals and whatever. And then you just don't even know if he's going to get to that for what they invested for what they gave up for the way that they kind of built the roster, you know, around him as a guy who was going to fix the power play as a guy who was going to, you know, hopefully be the the guy he was in Florida, you know, 20 plus goals, potentially 50, 60 points. Like he hasn't come anywhere close to that. And it's not to blame him, but that's just, that's just reality. That's just the facts. You know, the other thing, I mean, it's been a down year for William Carlson. Again, facts are facts. Like there just doesn't seem to be the confidence shooting the puck with him, you know? Seven goals. I mean, he's not going to be a 40 goal scorer like he was, but I mean, it really is night and day between the player he was then and the player he is now in terms of just, you know, not finding those those areas of the ice to get himself open, you know, for passes that Marcheseau would find him, for passes that, that Riley Smith would find him and and just, you know, areas of the ice where it was like you couldn't help but shoot and then you know, you get some confidence and you get some puck luck and it's going in the way it did. He's just, it's just not, it just hasn't been that way for him. As good as the misfit line looked last night and they looked really good. It, you know, it felt like it was really, it was Marcheson and Smith driving it. And it, you know, I, I don't want to say Carlson was a passenger along there, but, you know, because certainly he made a couple, you know, good plays that link up play in the neutral zone to, I think it was the first goal for Riley Smith when, when Marcheson was able to slide it over to him. Um, so, so it's there, like you, you would hope that it's coming, but you know, those are two guys that, that they rely, that they're relying on a lot, you know, that, that you draw it up at the start of the season and, and, you know, you project things out and what you're hoping for. And, and they've both fallen really short. Now, all that being said, like good on Brett Howden, like he basically got kind of, you know, like ridden out of town in New York. Like he just struggled last year and they didn't have room for him. They felt like, and you know, I don't want to say he's resurrected his career that he's like, he's still young, but you know, I mean, he's shown what he can do. He's shown why he's a first round pick. He's certainly, you know, found a role. And then like the other thing too, Keegan Colasar, I was thinking about this, like he always used to come into the media room and we'd always end up having to ask him about chances that he missed. And, you know, are you, you still feeling confident, you know, and always give that answer about, you know, the chances don't go in or the chances dry up, then I'll start worrying about it, you know, blah, blah, blah. Like that was a goal scorer's goal that he, that he scored last night, you know, to make the defensive play, to get up, you know, into the play with the, you know, on the rush with Howden and then to be able to like open up one timer, you know, the way that he did, like that shows some skill. So, you 
good on those two for for their development. But yeah, to circle back, like the Knights just need much more from you know specifically Dodonov and Carlson going forward here, or you know the 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 offense might just continue to be you know a, a struggle and inconsistent. I think the interesting kind of part about it, right, is that the Knights lineup, it feels like recently has been a little bit of, you know, a donut in terms of like you've got, you know, three or four guys kind of more at the top of the lineup that are playing really, really well. Um, You mentioned the Misfit line had an excellent game yesterday, and that's true of all three of them. But Marsha So and Smith have kind of been pretty, you know, solid and consistent all year. Um, then you've got guys like obviously Stone and Patch Ready when they're healthy, they've been really good at the top of the lineup. Uh, Stevenson, Eichel, for the most part, you know, I think has produced pretty decently for a guy that's still kind of getting his feet wet. And then what's interesting is that at the bottom of the lineup, and Pete DeBoer has touched on this a lot, the fourth line has actually really, really been, you know, productive. Like Howden on a per minute basis is uh, basically the night's third most productive forward at five on five behind Patch Ready and Stone. I mean, it's crazy how good he's been now uh, he's also shooting like 22%. So don't expect this to continue uh, forever, but it's just clear that he has done a really good job kind of making that fourth line, you know, a skilled group that can provide a little bit more offense. And Colasar has obviously been a part of that. Will Carrier a lot of this year uh, has been a part of that uh, lately. Uh, it's been Jonas Ronbjerg the last couple of games on that line, but the Knights, you know, at the bottom of their lineup have been getting kind of a surprising amount of production. And then you look towards the middle and that's where you're kind of seeing more of the issues where you're talking about Carlson's not having his best offensive season uh, with the Knights. It's actually on pace to be his worst. And obviously he went from shooting, you know, like over 20% that first year where he scored all those goals to now he's at 9%. And Donoff hasn't been great. Uh, Nick Waugh, is in a slump after having a really, really good start to the season. I think he's only got like three assists in his last 14 games or something like that. And no goals. Yanmark before getting hurt is in a similar kind of goal funk as Wah and Dodonov. So that's, what's kind of interesting right now. And I think it all sets up to be, you know, a really interesting evaluation period as, you know, we watched them up at the city national arena at practice with George McPhee and kind of Kelly McCrimmon are thinking about all this of like, you know, do they try to, you know, ride it out and hope that once they put guys like patch ready in stone at the top of the lineup, that'll kind of push everyone down a couple pegs and into better roles for them. Or are they kind of looking at, you know, the middle of that donut hole that I'm describing that hopefully visually works for people, even though I'm describing it in an audio medium and saying, no, we got to do something to fill that. And we maybe have to make some calls over the next, you know, uh, two, three weeks here before the uh, NHL trade deadline hits on March 21st to figure out a guy that can plug that for us. Yeah. You know, so what's interesting about that, and this was a question that I asked Pete DeBoer the other day about, you know, do they have enough sandpaper, you know, in their game or, or, you know, there's an element of physicality that that they've you know sort of traded off. You know, we, we just talked about Keegan Colasar and Brett Howden and sort of the skill element that they've you know added on the fourth line, and that's come you know maybe at the expense a little bit 
of, you know, some grit and certainly the hit numbers, however you want to look at those, you know, whatever, like I'm a little suspect of them. I don't really, you know, put as much stock maybe in just the, the sheer numbers, black and white, you know, what they say as maybe some other people do. You know, but it's interesting because we're talking about like the sort of the middle six, bottom six and like, you know, the lack of scoring and things like that. And then I'm kind of almost looking at this going, well, what I actually think down there they need is just, you know, a spark plug, like somebody who's just going to, you know, be a pest, be physical, you know, and, and you know, maybe chip in a, a couple goals here and there and not so much worry about the offense, but maybe open up some space for for other people to create some offense. Those those guys are hard to find. Like I'm not sure who that is or or where you go to to get that, but at least for me, if I'm Kelly McCrimmon and George McPhee, like I, I think that's the area, you know, of the roster or of this team that I'm that I'm trying to add, you know, all things being equal, everybody being healthy, you know, and and Robin Leonard's you know, shoulder not needing surgery and and not needing to go get another goaltender, all all things like that. Hint, hint, segue, transition. Oh, look at that! Look at you uh, being a pro. Because yeah, the Golden Knights uh, obviously any sort of addition or roster tinkering that they may or may not want to do around the trade deadline would be super complicated because they're using uh, long term injured reserve to kind of get through. The regular season on their current cap situation with currently Mark Stone and Alec Martinez on there. Uh, what would make any sort of addition uh, in net or up front, obviously, easier without having to subtract uh, a roster player to make it work would be, you know, if they need to shut uh, goaltender Robin Leonard down. But as of right now, it sure looks like they uh, do not need to, at least initially, at least right away, because uh, Leonard, after taking some. Uh, time off between his last start on February 9th, came back from an upper body injury uh, yesterday and beat the San Jose Sharks. Uh, it's hard to you know read too much into how Leonard performed because the Sharks uh, was Sharks were pretty anemic, uh, I think you could say, on offense. Leonard didn't have a whole heck of a lot to do back there in the Golden Knights net. He only had to make 16 saves, but he always got the win. He's won uh, five of his last seven starts. So I think, you know, it's safe to say he's looking pretty good. But it was interesting to hear him kind of talk about his injury and uh, push back, let's say, on what's been reported um, about his injury. Because as we've discussed, I believe now two podcasts ago, there was a report from Frank Cervalli of Daily Faceoff of, you know, the Knights being worried about Robin Leonard's injury and making a call on Marc-Andre Fleury, currently with Chicago Blackhawks, obviously longtime Knights goaltender, won the Vesna with them last season, if you hadn't heard. Um, Kelly McCrimmon, the Knights GM, pretty vehemently shot that down to uh, our colleague Ed Graney at the Review Journal. Um, but within that report, there was an insinuation from Saravalli that the upper body injury that uh, Leonard had and then returned from Last night was actually a shoulder injury that would eventually require surgery. Um, Obviously, Leonard returned fast enough where he didn't have any sort of operation. But, you know, when he asked about, you know, what his kind of recovery from that injury was like, he said, uh, quote, 
that's a better question for Frank Cervelli, my doctor. And when you kind of followed up uh, with him, Dave, after that, and kind of asked for more clarification about his injury, Leonard said, quote, I'm not going to talk about injuries. Obviously, what Dr. Saravalli was saying wasn't true. Obviously, I haven't had a surgery, so I'm good. Um, and to be clear, to be fair to uh, Frank Saravalli of Daily Faceoff, uh, he didn't report that Leonard had a surgery. He reported that Leonard will need a surgery either, you know, in the next uh, little bit here or potentially in the offseason, depending on how kind of Leonard feels playing through this or whatever. But uh, obviously, you know, no matter kind of who's right or who's wrong and the kind of back and forth that we witnessed take place last night, Dave, uh, it'll be interesting to see kind of how he holds up in the next little bit here and how that might affect any night's decision-making moving forward. Yeah. I, I think like you said, he was, it was a pretty strong pushback, you know, from Leonard. We'll see. Cause here's the other thing too. He did a little bit of verbal dancing with all that too. I mean, like he didn't really directly answer, you know, like was, you know, how like severe the injury where, I mean, he very well might need surgery in the off season, right? Like it could turn around and, and who knows? So from that standpoint, you know, like I think it's just more a matter of at this point we take Leonard maybe at face value and for his word of look, he's in there, he feels good. You know, if he's going to have to play through something, like so be it. If he's going to have to battle through, you know, he's clearly going to try to do it or he's going to do it. Um, this, I mean, look, they, they need him as well as you know Laurent Brossois and even Logan Thompson played. Um, you know, in his absence, like, like nothing against Laurent Brossois, but you know, he is what he is. He's a career backup and he's a decent, good to good career backup, but like, he's not going to take this team to the Stanley cup. And I think that's sort of, you know, where all of this, you know, scuttlebutt, you know, comes from and starts and whatever is, is that if Robin Leonard, you know, has any sort of setback or any sort of problems between now and the trade deadline, you know, is, and is not going to, you know, be the Robin Leonard, you know, that the Knights invested in, in, in this postseason, and they have to do something about it. They've pretty much put all their chips in. Like, I don't, look, I'm not gonna, I don't, I don't want to like call out like Ken, you know, from Simbin per se, like individually here, but I guess I kind of done it, but only because somebody sort of asked us both a, a Twitter question. And, you know, I think Ken was sort of at the point, you know, where if you have to, to punt on the season, you do it. And, and to me, I'm just like not that way. And I hope I'm not misrepresenting him and, and you know, w- what his answer was. But like, I'm just the opposite. Like I, this team has is, is got everything in the middle here. You know, they, they did all their salary cap dancing and they've done all of this stuff. And I don't want to say it's worked out, you know, for them in, in terms of being able to get Jack Eichel and not have to make, you know, any of these big trades and move Riley Smith or Dodon. You know, like none of that has happened yet to this point, they might be able to like actually ride this thing out to the playoffs and, and roll out some kind of super team here. But you know, if they don't have the goaltending, if Robin Leonard isn't healthy and, and giving them, you know, what he gave them in the playoffs a couple of years ago, uh, you know, then they're going to fall short of expectations. Like that, that's just, that's just reality as far as I'm concerned. No, absolutely. And I think we're kind of in, Total agreement there. And I know we've talked about it, you know, on previous shows when we were going over uh, Leonard's injury and what we knew about it at the time. And like I said, obviously he's come back maybe even sooner than 
people thought. But yeah, I mean, the Golden Knights, I mean, however much you want to, you know, believe in them right now, we're kind of nitpick this recent stretch, which obviously we did. And I think there are, you know, clear kind of issues on this roster, I guess you would say. I wouldn't call them flaws. Certainly not anything that you would say like, oh, this disqualifies them from winning a Stanley Cup or whatever. Just things that they need to probably, you know, tighten up or kind of improve down the stretch here. But I mean, still overall looking at this roster, you would have to say that this, when everyone comes back together can be, you know, the equivalent of like, you know, a Ferrari or whatever that can, you know, run on the racetrack. Like this team, when it all comes together, still has a chance to be very, very good. Uh, There are just obviously questions in terms of like, well, all, all the pieces going to get back in time. And when they do get back, are they going to have enough time to gel and click? And basically, you know, I think all of our questions are, we all see the kind of Ferrari, but is this thing ever going to, you know, get fully, you know, uh, efficient by the end of the year? Because, you know, there have always been just parts kind of coming in and out of the shop all year. And you're just kind of slapping new stuff in and like hoping it works and maybe got to tighten some, screws or whatever i'm not good at cars so hopefully this metaphor makes sense uh but obviously if robin leonard isn't in the net you're essentially driving you know this ferrari with a lawnmower engine essentially because that's how important goaltending is to an nhl team so that's obviously why kind of what happens with him is so critical as you mentioned dave because they've done all this work for obviously not just this off season and the season with the Eichel trade, but the Knights have done, you know, huge moves for years to try to maximize, you know, their chances of winning a Stanley cup. I mean, Kelly McCrimmon has often talked about like, we feel like we've improved this roster every year, but that whole set of uh, moves and that all that work basically amounts to very, very little, And then, like I said, you go into a Stanley Cup push with, you know, not Robin Leonard, not a proven kind of clear cut number one goalie as your main guy. And so that's why kind of everything revolves around that. But I think, you know, like I said, despite all the nitpicks that we've put in, uh, if they do get to the finish line in somewhat decent shape, they obviously are still going to have a chance to do something. It's just as we're sitting here, you know, March 2nd, talking about looking kind of ahead at the schedule, it's just a thornier path than I think a lot of us realize to get there instead of kind of the smooth sailing that it certainly was last year, because last year there were almost no bumps in the road. And this year it's just been every time you start to hit a nice open patch, you, you hit another bump, it feels like, for them. For sure. And just the injuries, you know, stacked on on top of each other and just the inconsistency. Like, you know, I just always, I keep thinking every time I write, you know, how their wheels are spinning in the mud of like that scene from that old movie, you know, My Cousin Vinny, where they're just, you know, stuck in the mud and they can't get out and he just ends up, you know, doing like a, you know, butt over tea kettle fall and, uh, it just kind of feels like that's what the Knights have been doing all year. Like, I don't know. I'm terrible at cars too, but I, I remember somebody once told me a, a story that like, you know, Ferraris break down a lot 
you got to be super rich to own a Ferrari because they break down. You got to always be able to afford the the repairs. And I, you know, I don't know. It feels like the Knights maybe are a little bit of a Ferrari right now, and you know, a little fragile in that sense. I, I mean, you know, again, look if they're able to get everybody together and they're able to gel, like you said before the playoffs, and and get on a roll. Like, look out! Like this team is is capable of of running over even Colorado, you know, uh, but at some point they have to be able to put it together. At some point you don't win on paper. You have to win on the ice and and do it all that way. Like that's why you play the games, right? And all that, that fun stuff. And if they don't figure it out here, I think in the next, you know, this month it's, it's 16 games here in March. Obviously they've played one of them already. Um, they actually have a little bit more of a favorable schedule, you know, than some of the other teams, just in terms of like the number of playoff teams that they're going to face here, you know, coming down the stretch. So, you know, it's sort of ball in their court or, you know, puck in their court, I guess you could say, um, whatever bad analogies you want to go with. Um, I mean, they control their own destiny in that, in that sense. And, you know, they, they have all the pieces like, look, like here's the other thing too. Like th- this is, like we can talk about all this and blah, blah blah but like this is a golden knights podcast and yes this is a five-year-old team but we're not talking about some like you know team that's been sort of you know on the outside looking in and oh they might make the playoffs and then like like we're talking about this in the context of you know a stanley cup contender and all of that so you know maybe to just come full circle with the the start of the podcast like the fact that they're gonna have to be in a fight here you know for the last two months you know, you would hope it benefits them, that it gets them, you know, steeled and ready um, and that they're playing playoff hockey, you know, when that actually rolls around and, and that they can, you know, use that to their advantage, hopefully. Yeah, well, obviously, as per usual, we'll have to see. But as you said, this this entire month is going to be really interesting as the team kind of really gets going here with a bunch of more games again. And then obviously, uh, like we touched on earlier, there's kind of the all-important trade deadline decision point on March 21st where uh, we'll be interested to see if the Knights are either kind of, you know, swimming upwards or sinking downwards at that point, whether management kind of feels the need to do anything with this team. But a uh, lot to uh, see and uh, watch before then. So make sure you check out all our uh, written work at ReviewJournal.com because we are brought to you guys by the Las Vegas Review Journal. Uh, also, we are presented by Blue Wire. And of course, make sure you guys rate, review, subscribe, whatever you do podcast. Uh, please do this one. We would very much appreciate it because uh, I'm excited. Just, we've never quite seen a finish to a season like this one for the Golden Knights. So it's going to be really interesting to kind of follow, cover it, and, uh, and talk about it. So uh, we'll be back with you guys next week. Uh, I'm Ben Goats. He's David Shane. We are the Golden Edge Podcast. Talk to you guys again real soon.